<clears throat> My name's Renee, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'd like to read something, just a brief paragraph about it, out of the, the chapter called The Vision for You. I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is the Fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your, of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find fellowship, and so will you. I think that kind of just sums up for me a lot of, of what Alcoholics Anonymous has, has come to mean for me. Um, when I first came to this program, I wasn't a very friendly person, and I didn't really, I didn't really come here to quit drinking. Um, I just kind of came here to change my life, you know, and that's, that's really all I knew that I wanted to do was change my life. I, uh, I was lonely. I had gotten fired from a job. I didn't have any money. I was borrowed up to here, and uh, all I knew how to do was ask for help. That's really, you know, that was... That's really how I got to this program, is asking for some kind of help, because I knew that uh, my best resources and my best uh, manipulations didn't really get me anywhere. And um, I guess it was a bottom for me. You know, we all have different types of bottoms, but that really was a, a bottom for me. And I, you know, somehow that wasn't in the picture. You know, I really didn't think that my life should be as shitty as it was. I didn't... I didn't, I just, it couldn't, I couldn't understand how come there was so much pain in my life. Uh, you know, there were men who I'd fallen in love with and they'd leave me. I'd go out drinking in bars and they'd say they'd see me the next day and they'd never call. You know, it was like continuously there was one disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And I just thought, you know, this isn't in the picture. This isn't really what I had planned. You know, what's, what's wrong here? How come, how come I, how come I'm so fucked up? And, um, that's really how I got to this program is I just, you know, I just had to quit trying because I knew that, that I just wasn't making it. I just wasn't making it. Both of my parents were alcoholics and I had blamed them for my problems uh, all my life. Uh, I didn't own any of my feelings. The feelings, all the feelings I had were directed toward what they did to me and what they did wrong to me and why didn't they fix it. You know, somehow there was a responsibility on their shoulders to relieve my problems and my burdens. So. And they didn't do it. I, you know, it's like, well, come on, you know. I know, you know, give me a chance. Somewhere I just knew that I had to have a chance. And really that's what this program was. It gave me a chance to really, you know, start learning to live. And, um, and I'm really, I'm really, really grateful that I had that chance. Um, and that I was willing to take it, you know. I see a lot of people who, who get stuck in a certain mold or a certain this is the way life is and I'm going to, and, and their attitude is fixed. And somehow there was something in me that said I'm going to try a new way. And this way is just, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm growing up. I feel like I'm learning to grow up and take care of myself. Um, I'm learning that I'm an ambitious person. I am real ambitious. I, I don't want to have I'm, I'm, it's like I'm ambitious, but at the same time, I know that I'm just, you know, a worker among workers, you know, a person among people, like they say in the book, that I'm not, I don't have to be somebody, you know, I don't have to make myself into who I think I ought to be. I can just try to learn to be who I am. 
and the program has, for the first time, given me that freedom. Uh, instead of trying to pretend or fake it or look good or say the right thing all the time, uh, I don't have to do that. And um, that's really neat. That's really neat for me. Somehow I always had to fake it. You know, I always had to pretend I was more than what I was or better than what I was or brighter than what I was. You know, it was, and it was constant pressure all the time. And um, <coughs> alcohol just, you know, somehow gave me some relief from, from all of that pressure. It was something that I could just kind of come down with and just kind of have no feelings, no pressure. I don't have to do anything. And uh, I used to like that feeling a lot. That was the only kind of release from that drive I could get. So anyway, I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'd like to call on Nancy. I'm Nancy, and I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know if any of you can identify with this, but I've sat at a lot of speakers' meetings, <clears throat> particularly the big dinner ones, right? And there's hundreds of people, and there's speakers, and they always come from California, it seems like. And they're up there, and they're just looking great, and they're all tanned, and they're just razzle-dazzling everybody. And, and afterwards, everybody stands up and applauds. My ego's going, God, I wish that was me. And so then I go at um, bed at night, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm telling my story and just amazing myself with how wonderful it is. <laughs> And I'm thinking, one of these days, these people are going to catch on, you know, and they're going to ask me, and I'm going to be in front of hundreds of people and razzle-dazzling them, and they'll be standing up, and my ego will go like this. And, and then I get in front of 50 or 60 of my favorite kind of people, female sober alcoholics, and my heart pounds, and I go, shit, Nancy, if you were in front of hundreds of them, you'd just faint. You'd get up and go, <laughs> So God keeps me doing what I need to do, um, keep me humble. Jay, I really heard you. I, I don't know. I was sober a couple of years, I guess, and I heard a woman alcoholic talking about that spiritual black hole at five years, and I thought, well, shit, that may be fine for her, but my program's real good, and I'm not going to go through that because I'm working the steps. And, and between uh, my fifth and sixth year, I had six months where on a daily basis suicide um, seemed like the correct option for me. And I continued to work the steps. I went to meetings real regularly. I worked with other people. I was involved with service. I wrote a lot. I was reaching out for counselors and, and therapists. And still, the suicide hung on for uh, six months, uh, between my fifth and sixth year. And finally, I was at work late one night, and I was standing on a window ledge. I work on the seventh uh, story of a building downtown Portland. Since then, they've fixed the windows. You can't get them open. But at the time, the windows opened. And uh, I was literally on the ledge, and, and Bill Wilson talks about we get to the point where it's either out the window or into the program. And so one more time, I had to surrender. And in my case, I literally sat down in the chair, and I knew that was it, that that struggle I'd been going through for six months um, came to a head, and something had to be done. And it was that gut-level crying out that I did uh, June 17th of 76 out of my guts, where I said, God, help me. And um, obviously, I didn't jump out the window. <laughs> Um, God did help me. That was about a year and a half ago, and where I'm at today with all of that is that it's been continued struggle, but I have a love for Nancy today that is unlike anything I've ever dreamed of. I love who she is. I allow success into her life. 
Um, I know that people want to be with her, that she doesn't have to earn anything today, that just of and by myself I'm a beautiful human being. And I believe that that's directly grown out of that surrender that I did on that window ledge um, five and a half, almost six years sober. So out of the pain comes some of the biggest blessings. And with me, it's not letting go of my old ideas. And sometimes I don't even know what that old idea is. So I continue to work the steps. And um, the steps are, uh, the fellowship's wonderful. It's the steps that save my bacon, that keep me, keep me just right in there. Um, I didn't care for the men or the women. I was hating myself so bad when I came in. There was nobody I could get close to. And a couple years sober, God started sending beautiful women into my life. And, pigeons and they were teaching me about love and Jesus right now I can open up to just about I can't imagine that there's a woman especially a woman alcoholic that I couldn't be with that my heart's not wide open and I'll share anything with them and where I'm at today this 24 hours is I'm trying to do that with men and to trust them and allow them to be my friends and to be open and honest and not play games and shuck and jive um, there's one other thing. I like to have fun, and those people who know me know that I like to play. And I should, I seldom explain this. I'm the one in the Lord's Prayer that when it starts it out, if, you ever, if they ever make the mistake of asking me to lead it, I started out, Our Mother, who art in heaven. Um, I really don't think, that, that for me, that God is necessarily a he, and, and God is not confined to being a she either. That that's just plain when I'm doing that. It's... It's helping me to remind myself that God's not limited to anything I can imagine, that God is the power of love, and that that doesn't have any kind of form. Thank you. Who wants to talk? I'd like to have somebody just volunteer. Anybody? Come on up. I'm Amy. I'm an alcoholic and addict. Hi. Grateful to be clean and sober. Well, I related to what was being said here. I remember when I was out there using and drinking, that you women posed a threat to me. I was scared to death of you. I still am in a lot of ways. I used to feel, I still feel a lot of intimidation, but I'm working through it. And this program's allowing me to be able to work through my problems today, to get into the solution. And that's something that's a hard thing for me to do. I like to dwell on things. But what brought me here was the pain. I got sick of it. I don't like pain. I have a low tolerance for it. And I remember walking through this fellowship this last summer again and feeling a real true love something that I never really felt and I believe that's what saved me today what saved my life is last summer I was in a hard space I was losing it and the only other alternative I knew was to find help and my former next door neighbor told me of where there was a women's meeting on Friday night in Portland. And through a great deal of hesitation, I got to the club, which I'm now there as much as possible. And I was grateful to get there. 
It's helped me, and I can say that I'm grateful to be clean and sober today. And the person I'd really like to hear from is Ann. I'm in and I'm an alcoholic. I don't like podium meetings. <coughs> you know, it's a miracle that I'm even talking up here without a drink in my hand. Jerry mentioned when she was up here about she doesn't get anything from Pollyanna's. And around the club where I go to most of my meetings, my saying is, I'm happy, joyous, and free. I'm addicted to being happy, joyous, and free. And I don't make any explanations for that. That's just the way I am. But the honesty part of the program, it hit me once you said that, because a lot of times I went to meetings and still even now, still even now, I'm not a saint yet, I'm not cured, I got a hell of a lot of character defects. I first came to this program, I didn't have any. I didn't have any. That's the truth, I believed it. I believed it. But I'd never tell you guys that, you know. I didn't even tell you I was an alcoholic. I said I'm a friend, I'm with her. That's the truth. Then three months down the line, I said, well, I was doing it because I have an alcoholic family. And I'm coming here to find out more about them. And then what came back was, you know, go to Almond meetings. So I went to five of them. I didn't relate. I just didn't relate. I related to AA because the truth was I was an alcoholic. And I didn't want to be. God damn it, I didn't want to be. Because, see, in reality, I wanted to be able to get up here and talk like this. But I never could do it sober. I couldn't even fathom it sober. So the vision for me is for Anne to be honest on a daily basis, to admit my mistakes, to admit that I am not perfect. And God damn it, that's hard. That is really hard for me. I'm a perfectionist. And up until a year ago, I thought I really was, you know? And now I know I'm not. But what I'd love, what I'd love, and this is my happy, joyous, and free, is that I can admit today that I'm not perfect. And more than that, I don't want to be. You know, I really don't want to be today. And the freedom I get is that I've accepted the fact that I had to change for me to stay sober on a daily basis. And that word change just put shivers up my spine. I was comfortable to who I was for 50 years. It took me a long time to get comfortable with that. 32 years of drinking, thank you. You know, you gonna take that away from me? You know, I just didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. And then when I admitted I was an alcoholic and I knew it didn't work, and what the hell have I got left? I have to be sober. 
And to be sober, I struggle along the happy, joyous, and free, da-da-da, how are you? I am fine, thank you, you know. Thank God I've had people on the program, and dear, dear lovers and friends, that said, hey, you know, I'm not supposed to tell you this, Gail, but you are an alcoholic, you know, and that saved my ass. You don't have to drink or use no matter what, even if your ass falls off, you know. Barbara told me that. I needed that a lot of times. I still need that today, even if my ass falls off. Because for me, it'll never fall off. I mean, I'm perfect, don't you know that? I'm ass, you know. <clears throat> so the freedom I've got by admitting that I'm not perfect, admitting that sometimes I said, hey, I'm fine, but I wasn't fine, I'm dying inside. But why am I dying inside? Because, you know, the play wasn't going off. The play wasn't going off the way Anne put it out. You know, the world doesn't read my scripts, and I don't understand that. Why? We just don't. But that's okay today. I got lousy scripts anyway. Shit, even I wouldn't want to fulfill them. Really? You know, and that's the freedom I have because I have learned to change on a daily basis. I hope I have oodles more to do. I want to change it right up to the day I die because the freedom I get from that because I can say to you, I can say one thing to you today, and I can say in my heart, subject to change. And I mean it. I mean it. I hope when you hear me six months down the road or next year, I sound different. Because that's my wisdom. That's my freedom. That's what's keeping me sober, is that, hey, I can change. Thank you. Hi, I'm Tricia, and I'm an addict and an alcoholic. Hi, Grateful to be clean and sober today, and I'm jazzed by this meeting. I am just real jazzed by it. Um, women have always been an extremely important part of my life. In fact, they were my life for many, many years. Um, like Vicki, I was a feminist. I was an activist. Um, in the 70s, I marched in the street with women for any issue that you wanted to march with, just so I could belong. I wanted to belong more than I wanted anything else in the world. And I thought, okay, here it is, feminism. I belong, I'm a woman. You know, I belong, I'm a lesbian, I can do it. And I didn't fit. I just didn't fit. And I did everything right. I was reader right on. And um, so then, and I wasn't drinking and using at the time, you know? I was being compulsive about feminism. Um, then I started using. I started using drugs, and I couldn't do it anymore. And it got to the point where um, it was either drugs or politics, right? And um, so guess which one I did, you know? Um, and I've been thinking about sort of the title of this meeting, Women with Vision. And I've known women with vision for years and years and years, you know? Those women out there that were marching had a vision. And I couldn't see it because I was loaded. Um, so then I ran, I, this was in L.A., and I ran away from L.A., and I came to Oregon. I was burnt out on politics, supposedly. Um, I hadn't burned drugs out, so... <coughs> I have a cold, and I can't hardly talk here. So then I went to Southern Oregon, and I went to women's land. Spiritual women, right? Looking for the goddess in peyote circles. Um... 
still searching, still wanting to belong, still wanting to be a part of you. And I couldn't be. I just couldn't be. Um, they all found the goddess. You know, they could all praise Diana. And all I could do was sit there and drool, you know. Um, so finally, I had several friends in um, Portland, old drinking and using buddies, who sort of disappeared off the par front porch. You know, when I went to parties, um, feminist parties, I call them veggie fems. They didn't drink, they didn't use, they didn't eat meat. You know, they like, I don't know, they did all the right on things, and I didn't relate, right? Well, there were a whole bunch of women who were just like me, and we were all on the front porch because we couldn't smoke cigarettes in the house, right? So that's where the Jack Daniels bottle was, and that's where the drugs were, and that's where I was. So a couple of those women disappeared off that porch, and a couple of them are here today. And somehow they had let me know that on Friday nights at 8 o'clock, there was a women's um, AA meeting, you know, and that's where they were. And um, like Jerry said, looking for those socialist feminists in AA. Well, they were there when I got there, thank God, you know, because I don't think I would have had the perseverance that Jerry had. I would have used those differences to keep me away. Um, and here were women with a vision that I could see, you know, a vision of a personal freedom that I could see and that I could attain. You know, the ones that were marching in the streets were all better educated than I was, and that was the difference that kept me away. And the ones that were sitting in those peyote circles, you know, they weren't all eating peyote. They could be spiritual without it. And so I couldn't relate, you know. It was one more thing that kept me apart. But here were women who were saying, you know, I can be a proud, strong woman with dignity if I stay clean and sober. And um, I have a piece of that dignity in my life today um, because of the women in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. Um, they told me that I never had to use drugs or drink again if I didn't want to, and I didn't have to do it alone. What? <laughs> You're going to help me? Um, I belong? That's what kept me here, was that you told me I belonged. You didn't tear how I believed down. You didn't do anything to make me separate from you. You just told me all the ways that I was just like you. And, um, and that allowed me to get clean and sober. You know, so today here we sit in this meeting, and um, I'm jazzed. I, that's all I can say. I mean, I've had goosebumps all up and down my arm. I am shaking. I feel so strongly about this meeting, and um, I've been going to meetings lately and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're right, you're right. But I don't. I haven't gotten it in my gut. I think that happens to all of us sometimes. And let's see here. It's in my gut this, you know, this afternoon, and. Um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be reminded of why we're here and that, um, that our vision is pure and our vision is clean and, um, and it has to do with real freedom, with personal freedom, you know. So um, I'm real glad I talked because I wanted to, you know. I wanted to make myself a part of it. And I don't like podium meetings because I don't like being here and you're there. 
I like being down up in the middle, rubbing elbows, you know. I still need to be a part of. I still feel real lonely a lot, and I need to be next to you to know that I'm okay. So um, that's all I got to say, thanks. How about Jackie W? Is she here? Oh. My name's Jackie, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm sober. <laughs> it's uh, wonderful to be here today. And uh, I've come down from Seattle, had the opportunity to see a lot of old and dear friends here from Oregon. Uh, special joy today. Um, I came to um, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, through the uh, Veterans Hospital in Seattle where I went in for treatment. And uh, if you want to talk about uh, being alone or feeling isolated, uh, I went through treatment with 17 men. <clears throat> you see, I knew that I was the only woman who drank the way I did. As a result, I drank in isolated circumstances, and uh, which of course just reinforced who I thought I was. And somehow, somewhere along the line, I had really screwed up enormously. And so I did not, I would not do anything that would bring me to the attention of anyone, um, the law, um, doctors, whatever, until one morning I awakened uh, with uh, feet that were unable to fit into any shoes, and I was a vivid school bus yellow and very sick. And I did not want to die at home because I had a son who kept popping in. And the thrust of my day that day, I remember, was I needed to go someplace to die where they were used to dying. And that must be a hospital. And so, through a variety of circumstances, I got to the Veterans Hospital in Seattle to die. And I went through the medical department there, and I didn't die, obviously, because uh, I've come to believe that God had something further in mind for me to do. But when they told me about a treatment program and asked me if I thought I'd like to try to quit, I wondered if anyone could do that, because by now my obsession was so great with alcohol that I couldn't, as I've heard many of you say too, even begin to envision any kind of a life without alcohol in it. But they told me indeed that some folks could make it. And so I went upstairs after I finally got stabilized on the floor, medical floor, and I went upstairs and there I was in the company of these 17 men, which of course reinforced my belief that I was the only woman, in fact, who had ever drunk the way I drank. Now, I figured that out. You see, I served in World War II, and for probably the bulk of you, that was WW2, the big one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there are a few of us left. <laughs> and uh, there were approximately, I, I knew that there had been approximately 10,000 women from the West Coast who had joined the waves during World War II. 
And I was the only wave who had ever gone through the Veterans Hospital alcohol treatment program. So you see, I was the only one turned out to be a drunk out of 10,000 women. Well, I didn't have a lot in common with most of those men as far as their drinking histories went, but I sure as hell could relate to their feelings. And on Monday nights, one night a week in this hospital, some gentleman from AA would come and way down in the very bowels of this hospital, you would go to this meeting. And you would, I, I always thought, gee, the early Christians must have felt this way going through the catacombs, you know. <laughs> and I got into that meeting. Now, there was no AA in the program that I was going through. But I really went because I hated Monday night football upstairs on the television. So I went to that, those meetings and I began to listen. I interrupted a lot and asked a lot of ridiculous questions. Maybe not, maybe not so ridiculous, but I was certainly becoming teachable. I, uh, I have to share with you that my husband uh, was simultaneously going through treatment in another facility where he was getting a lot of AA, and he would call me at night and spoon-feed me Alcoholics Anonymous. And I heard another lady up here saying today, it was too simple. I kept saying, it's much too simple. And he said to me, maybe that's our problem. Uh, maybe life isn't, uh, or success isn't such a circuitous path. Let's try this simple way. And with his acceptance of the program came mine. And I began to grow. I have to share with you that as I felt my isolation in that program and as I came to understand my disease, at least academically, I began to know that there were a lot of you out there. And I began to get a real sense that I needed to be out there standing up and being counted and telling what had happened to me. So I became a volunteer for an um, alcohol community center and uh, started a speaker's bureau, and I began going out and telling them all about my newfound sobriety of at least three months. <laughs> but I had it all together. At any rate, I grew through my mistakes. I grew through you as wonderful role models. I, I grew through your mistakes, too. I have uh, learned to deal with my feelings. I try to turn my head off and deal with my feelings. I liked what the last young lady said about feeling it right here, because that's where I live today. Turned off my head as much as possible. I um, assume we must be running out of time, so I want to just say that I have found so many things in this program. You are the biggest bonus of all, because I have come uh, to know you. Uh, a year ago, uh, my husband died. And as God shuts one door, he opens another. And four months after Tom left, uh, the door opened for me to go to work in the first and only all-woman intensive inpatient treatment program in the state of Washington. Today I work 